Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Spectacular. This is the greatest. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday. Here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. You know when Vince Murata is the first voice that you hear in the morning, but Dan Bickley's not here. Has that Dan means- Bickley been fired? <laughs> Let's start it right there. <laughs> Tim Ring has been hired, apparently. Tim Ring sitting in for Bick today. Getting up early with us. What's up, Ringer? Vinny, good to, good to be with you. Always good to get the call. I actually got the call to fill in today from Dan Bickley himself. Really? Usually, you know, I get a Jarrett Carlin or an Aaron Maloney text. But I knew it was big. I knew it was big when Bickley himself reached out and said, can you work on Tuesday? That is big. That's big. It's, it's, it's actually, it's uncharacteristic. It's unheard of in this industry. It is, but it's also an indication of just how poor the communication is <laughs> within uh, this mean, show. It means somebody <laughs> forgot to tell somebody something. Well, <laughs> you can paint it however you guys want. But I said, Tuesday... That's mustache, not a mustache oh, day. Oh, you're in for big. Well, of course get, I'll work. Let's get this out of the way now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I uh, informed him weeks ago, but I re-informed Jared today. I will be gone next Friday. What are you doing next Friday morning? Oh, hey. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, you want to work, Tim? That's, that's, that's sports kebab day, so oh, that's, that's weigh that on day. your decision. Consider that, yeah. Well, despite that fact, yes, of course I will. I will come in and, and, and fill your shoes, Vinny. Your not gigantic ask, shoes. Asking you face to face. Yes, I don't even get a text. I'm getting on the air. He's a asking face to face. Ask. Let's yeah, face no it. Pass- I don't have your number, Tim. No. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What do Fridays pay? Yeah. Okay. You know, let, me, let me put pen to paper and crunch the numbers here. Yeah, I guess you know what. I'll work three hours. So, oh, okay. Well, that's about what we put in on yeah, Fridays. Too, Fridays. So. Yeah. Once nine o'clock hits, we're like, yeah. Sounds about right. Sounds anyway, about guys, right. good to see you again. It's been since the holidays. I good know, to be right? here. Always good to be here. Very Christmassy feeling here today. Scene. Yes. That being said, Jarrett, let's start the show and not Keish, uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Come on, Jarrett. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. splash. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Hey, the Cardinals made a couple of free agent signings on Monday. They inked wide receiver Zach Paschal to a two-year deal. He spent last season with the Philadelphia Eagles, where he caught 15 passes for 150 uh, yards and a touchdown. Also had two catches in the Super Bowl against Kansas City, played 54% of the Eagles' special team snaps. Of course, he rejoins the 
uh, coaching staff that he's familiar with from Philadelphia, Nick Rollis, and uh, of course head coach Jonathan Gannon. Uh, they also re-signed quarterback David Blau to a one-year deal. Blau joined the Cardinals' active roster in December after spending 14 weeks on uh, Minnesota's practice squad and started the last two games, becoming the fourth different starting quarterback for the Cardinals last year. He threw for 402 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, and losses to Atlanta and San Francisco. See, Tim? We comment on inactivity, and what do the Cardinals do? They sign a receiver and a backup quarterback. Blow! <laughs> I'm a little... I'm a, I'm a little shocked, Vinny. The Cardinals were not more aggressive in trying to find that 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 stopgap quarterback. Oh yes, who's not named David Blau? Yes, or Colt McCoy. Now, are you factoring the, that Blau rhymes with cow? It does, <laughs> of course, it does. <laughs> Just so people know, we'll have uh, we'll have some discussions on that today too. It's an interesting topic. Former AZCardinals.com writer Kyle Odegaard, now with Compare.bet, reported Monday that the Cardinals have fired longtime head athletic trainer Tom Reed, who held that position for 15 years. I don't know what to make of this, but I thought it was a bit interesting, and it made the splash. Well, the pushback on social media yesterday was, is Tom Reed the fall guy for the NFLPA grades? And then you go back and check the grades, is he got a B plus. Yeah, the training staff got a got a B plus. Now, the training facilities... The facilities, the, not so much. The strength coaches got good grades. The strength facilities got bad grades. We don't know the whole story, no. I'm guessing, on this one. No. But the optics appear to be Mike Bidwell wants a fall guy for these horrific grades. And Tom Reed may have just... Could be. I mean... Had to walk the plank. Those are definitely dots you can connect from oh, the outside. But we don't know no. the whole story there. Elsewhere in the NFL, the Houston Texans staying active. They signed former Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz and running back Devin Singletary, formerly of the Buffalo Bills. They both get one-year deals. Sun's off until tomorrow night when they visit the Los Angeles Lakers at Crypto.com Arena. We'll be checking later today for any updates on the condition of DeAndre Ayton, who missed Sunday's loss at Oklahoma City with a hip contusion. Vinny, I thought at this time of the the month, I would be checking the top of the Western Conference standings. Can the Suns get to number two? Can the Suns get to three? As opposed to them staying at a five and six? Well, now I'm checking the bottom of the standings because <laughs> I'm getting a little worried. And we'll get into this a little You're bit later alone. on. Oh, we will. But, um, but uh, objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> uh, last night in the NBA, Golden State actually got a road win. They beat the Houston Rockets 121-108. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson combined for 59 for the Warriors. No word on whether or not Clay Thompson had to remind any member of the young Houston team on how many rings he's won in his career. Uh, Memphis rallied from 13 down in the fourth quarter to beat the Luka-less Mavericks 112-108. Utah tripped up Sacramento and Salt Lake City with a 128-120 win. Chicago went double overtime to knock off the 76ers in Philly 109-105. And a weird game in uh, Madison Square Garden. Julius Randle scored 57 points for the Knicks, but they lost 140 to 134 to the shorthanded Minnesota Timberwolves. Torian Prince had 35 points for Minnesota and went Ooh. eight for eight from three point range. He missed like one shot from the field. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now you score 57 at a loss. That is a tough one to take. You no, know, that's we, a bad loss for the Knicks. We have a guy locally who can uh, relate to that. Oh yeah. Uh, Rick Pitino is back in the Big East. The 70 oh. year old coach is the new head coach at St. John's. 
taking over for the fired Mike Anderson. Patino, 34 seasons of college head coaching, the last three at Iona. He took the Gales to the NCAA tournament twice in that span. He was previously in the Big East only for two years with Providence, 85 to 87, but took the Friars to the Final Four in 87. Led by... Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan. Delray Brooks. Delray Brooks. <laughs> Abdul Shamsuddin. I love that. Wow. I love that team. Ricky Patino yeah. back in the big uh, and two national championships on his resume. That was all right. That was a Providence team from thirty years ago. 40 years ago. Almost 40, 40 years yeah. ago. And you just named three players on the team. Can you name three players on any team, on any current? Jared, I'll do you. No, and it's funny. I'll give you the 1987 Final Four. It was Syracuse, Indiana, uh-huh. Providence, and UNLV. Jared, I couldn't give you the Final Four last year. No, I, I have know, trouble I remembering know. those things, too. Uh, Georgetown also has a new coach, Ed Cooley. Takes over the Hoyas program following the uh, firing of Georgetown royalty, Patrick Ewing. Cooley was uh, 12 seasons the head coach at Providence. Team USA found out its opponent for tonight's World Baseball Classic Championship game. The Americans will face Japan, who earned a dramatic walk-off 6-5 win over Mexico on Munitaka Murakami's two-run double in the bottom of the ninth. Tonight's game gets underway at four for all the marbles. D-backs right-hander Merrill Kelly throwing for Team USA against Japanese lefty Shota Imanaga. U.S. going for its second straight WBC title. Japan won the first two events in 2006 and 2009. Uh, We'll have a little bit more on this, I think, in the Rush Hour reboot, but I think this has been a smashing success. Well, I'm excited to watch tonight. Yes. Uh, D-backs beat the White Sox in Cactus League, play 7-3. Corbin Carroll had two hits and two RBIs for the D-backs. Uh, I don't know if there was any extra base hits, so we did. Uh, I don't know if we saw poop face, Jarrett, but uh, we can dig further there. Wait, what? <laughs> you never heard that story? No. Alec Thomas made fun of Corbin Carroll's uh, face when he runs the bases. You man, you look like you're about to poop your pants. <laughs> All right then. Uh, Diamondbacks hosting the Angels at Salt River Fields today at one ten. Zach Davies getting the start. And speaking of the D-backs rotation, the uh, lefty Tommy Henry optioned a Triple A. Reno on Monday, the 25-year-old had posted a 5.51 ERA in 16 innings this spring, but he goes down. That leaves right-handers Dre Jamison and Ryan Nelson in the running for Arizona's fifth spot. The regular season begins in nine days. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. There you go. There is your splash. It's quite splashy. Tuesday, March 21st. Coming up next. Yeah. <laughs> Tim let you know his feelings on the Suns in the splash. We'll delve deeper into those feelings, and he's not alone in having them. We'll that get was into just that. a tease, Vinny. Just, just wetting the whistle of yep. the listeners. We'll uh, we'll pay it off next. <laughs> it's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Bickley and Murata mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, Kevin Durant's doing more and more on the court. I would expect more evaluations later this week. I think there will be potentially an update later this week and early next week when they reevaluate him and, and see exactly how much progress he's made. But uh, definitely there's optimism within the Suns that they're going to be cautious, uh, but they are hopeful that he's going to be back in lineup before the end of March, potentially early April. Uh, the goal was always here, you know, two to three weeks uh, in that range. But they're going to be cautious. They know the best time for him is playoff time. So get, making sure that he's 100% not rushing him back, I think that'll be a priority as well. That is Sean Sharania of The Athletic and Stadium talking about 
the potential return of Kevin Durant, maybe before the end of the mar- of March, maybe Tim Ring, who's in for big today, maybe by the beginning of, of That's April. That's a big difference, the end of March, beginning of April. It, it wasn't two to three weeks, it was three weeks officially from the Suns. And tomorrow will be two weeks from, from the injury happening. Tomorrow will be two weeks. Yes. And talking about all that matters is the playoffs is fine, but there's one fundamental flaw to that logic. You have to be in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, is that how that works? <laughs> now, in, t- in terms of the panic button in that regard, we're not there yet. But there's an old old analogy of a guy falling off the roof. I think I've told you this before, right? He falls off the roof, and as he's falling past each window, he says, Hey, don't worry, guys. I'm doing fine. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Vinny, I, I'm, I'm looking at the way this team is ple- uh, presently constructed without yes. Durant, and now you take Aiton out, and you look at the schedule. You know, I, the, the, the play in tournaments, unless, I mean, Devin Booker, he, he scores 46, it's still not good enough. So it's not like, okay, Devin Booker, put this team on your shoulders and, and, and get a few wins coming yes. up. I mean, you got to go to Los Angeles. you got to go to Sacramento. Philadelphia and Embiid are coming into town on Saturday. There's one team on the remainder of the schedule that's not playing for anything, and that's San Antonio, who, by the way, is playing much better basketball right. than they have been. They're playing for, for something, but it's, well, a, it's a good thing. It's, it's, it's a, a good, good thing. thing they're it's actually they're actually winning some games now, which is um, there's not a gimme on this schedule. I just for the Phoenix Suns. I just you know, Vinny, when you're driving home from from the home games, when I was when I was filling in for Bloomer, you probably heard me talk about this. I, I think before the three game losing streak, and certainly before the Durant injury, I, I thought the two seed or certainly the three seed were were attainable. That three game losing streak, and now four out of five. That's wiped that obviously off the board. And now you start worrying about hanging on to the four seed, or not dropping into the play in tournament. And right now, l- listen, if you're here's the problem right now. I just want to get your thoughts on this too. Obviously, is that they're a very top heavy team, right? We know that incredibly they're, they're top, incredibly heavy. top heavy. Yes. So you better have all your top. Yeah, the top is not all there right now. You're the exactly top, right. And so so now you're really. Really stretched thin from a from an overall talent and ability standpoint, and there's still people, um, and, and I, I get it to a degree, but there's still a lot of people that will say, "Oh, once Katie gets back, everything's going to be fine," and they base it on a three game sample of Kevin Durant coming back, easing his way into the lineup, making things look simple. That was against two bad basketball teams. And one middling basketball team that's also trying to find its own identity. And that game was really a 50-50 game. Let's it be was. honest, it could have gone either way. It was. Now, obviously they're going to be way better when Durant gets yes. back on the court. Yes. But having said that, seeding does matter a little bit, especially if you drop into that play-in tournament. I mean, you're, you're just asking, the, the, the climb you're asking this ball club to make then into the Western Conference Finals or the NBA Finals becomes that much more difficult if you're down there in the play-in tournament. And the reality is, Vinny, and I actually I heard Gambo talking about this the other day. I actually agree. You look at the top of the standings. The bottom of the standings are just as concerning to the Suns in terms of the ability of teams that can beat them. When you talk about the Clippers and you talk about the Mavericks, that's a scary proposition. So if you're down there in that play-in tournament, I mean, one bad night, anything can happen. Foul trouble. You're just you're making life really difficult for yourself. But it's unfortunate because, again, you know, two weeks ago, I thought this team had a real shot to challenge for the two seed in the Western Conference. And now you're worried about them hanging out to the four seed. Yeah, the Suns and- are four right now at 38 and 33, a half game better than the Clippers. 
two games better than Golden State, but still, I mean, then you have Dallas, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Utah all within a half game of each other, and the Lakers and Pelicans on the outside looking in. And those, there's a lot of those teams that are showing up on the schedule the rest of the way. And, and I'm not one of those guys that looks at the schedule and says, well, that's a win, that's a loss. You just don't know in this league. No. But Vinny, if Durant's not back and Aiton misses any more time, it's not inconceivable to think they're going to lose their next three games the way this team is presently constructed. I'm not saying that they will or they're probably going to. I'm saying it's not inconceivable that they could. And now you're really putting yourself in jeopardy of the play-in tournament, or worse. So this is a really difficult time, which kind of leads me to, you know, to my next point. I don't know how you feel about this, but if James Jones two weeks ago said Durant could be playing if it was the playoffs, these games are becoming pretty freaking high leverage right now. Well, you have and to it, wonder if that affects the timetable that Shams Charani just put out there. That's what I'm talking yes. about. It might... If this thing... Like let's say they in, let's say they do lose these next three games. Now you're talking about losing seven of eight. Even if Durant's eighty percent, you might not have the luxury of being uh, abundantly cautious. It might be time to tape that sucker up, put that big brace on there, and go out there and try to stack together a few wins. Now, obviously, that's going to come down to Durant. You don't want to put him in jeopardy of, of re-injury. <laughs> he re-injured himself. No, I know, Jared, but it's something. And he missed the playoffs then no, after I, that? I, I get it. I get it. I'm just saying that the, 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 the timetable, they might not have the luxury of waiting for him to be 100%. I agree with you. And, and even that, that's if they where I'm do, going with that. If they do right the ship to a degree where they can get some wins, and I'm not expecting, I mean, like you pointed it out, they've lost four or five, pretty damaging to, to their, their seating right now and potentially even worse. But if they can win a couple games and that gives them a little bit more leeway, a little bit more rope with Kevin Durant, it's still not ideal Word. because of the absence of DeAndre Ayton, which we don't know what that looks like right now. He missed one game, but so much of the offensive responsibility is falling on Devin Booker. I don't think anybody in the Suns organization wanted Devin Booker to be taxed that much heading into the playoffs, where he's carrying 11 guys trying to get them to wins. That's what the case was in Oklahoma City on Sunday. Devin Booker got very little help on offense Sunday. And if he got a little bit of help, we're talking about a win as opposed to a loss that slipped through the Suns' hands. And they knew it. They had that game. And they let it get away. And it was a collective effort in letting it get away. But Devin Booker's going to have to carry a gigantic load offensively because of the construction of this team right now. And that's not ideal moving forward. Look at the front line that they started against Oklahoma City. And, again, all these guys have good qualities. And they can contribute to wins in the NBA. But when your front line is Craig, Akogi, and Bismack Biombo, mm-hmm. that's an offensively challenged front line right there. So Devin Booker needs to get help from other people. You know, and Ish Wainwright throws up an offer. And campaign, I'm sorry, the way the Suns are right now, campaign has to do more. Well, and you offensively. saw it, you saw it for two games. He was tremendous coming off the bench. He lifted lifted the team, provided the spark, made some shots, made some big shots, gave some emotion. I thought then, there were signs and then two points against the Thunder. Yeah. You're right. Because I just don't – Chris Paul's not that guy anymore that's going to go out and get you 38 points. I don't think so. I think yeah. you can count on you know on a good night 15 to 20 from, from Chris. Right. He got, you know, he'll distribute it, but somebody's got to step up. And you know, Landry Shamit back is going to help. He can knock but down that three-pointer when he's, when he's left alone out there. But The problem with super teams is they're not constructed for anyone other than the super team part of the super team to consistently step up. 
Yeah, and like that's they what might I'm have one a different like Terrence Ross might give you twenty one game. Josh Okoge, like these guys might give you one game out of five that are good, but they're they're just not constructed that way. This bench, yeah. Uh, we'll get more into the Suns as the show goes on. Is your bracket busted? Don't worry. You still got a shot at $500. Just text Bucks to 620-620, and we'll send you a link to fill out your 16-team bracket. That's where I should have started. Text Bucks to 620-620. It's the Arizona, Sport, uh, Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks, presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Coming up next, Cardinals have been very, very quiet in free agency. They made a little bit of noise yesterday, but it still begs questions on what is the the strategy for 2023. Be that very, very quiet. That and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings. Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's oh so quiet. <laughs> Fun with bumper music here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Who is this? It's Bjork. Oh, yeah, that seems about right. Front office at work. It'll become obvious here in a second. He's fooling till you fall in love. Oh, this is a great song. I do love this song. Uh, it's Oh So Quiet is the name of the song. Kind of the unofficial theme song of the Arizona Cardinals. Free agency 2023 so far, Tim Ring. A second consecutive year. They've kind of they've kind of done this, and remember last year the 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 company line out of Tempe was well we signed re signed our own guys. Okay, mm-hmm. you know we we saw how the season turned out, but the the question really begs is how much is the Kyler Murray injury affecting what this team wants to aggressively do in free agency? Yes, and and and, and it's it's fair to ask, and you, you don't talk about oh, well we're not you know we're we're not tanking, but we're not exactly going to strap our cap during a year that we don't think we can compete. Well, you have to consider the starting point, too. And the starting point, no matter how you got there last year, your starting point in 2023 is you're a four-win team with a brand-new head coach, a brand-new coaching staff, and a brand-new front office. So if that, I mean, that's your starting point, you would expect it to be a little bit more aggressive. And I don't know what to make of all of it right now. There's been this weird roller coaster of just frustration at the end of last year where it became pretty obvious that changes were going to be made. And that started with the Steve Kime leave of absence. Um, when they made the moves and Michael Bidwell came out and said all the right things and he fired Cliff Kingsbury, which we know was not easy for him to do after he signed him to that massive extension. But to do this about face. Now, there's an about face personnel-wise with the coaching staff in the front office, but what are you doing about the players? And, and it's been a question, going back to the combine, Tim Ossenfort, the general manager, was asked uh, at that time, Kyler is injured. He's the key to your team. Does that does that injury and his rehabilitation affect the way you build the roster? Obviously, a consideration. And, and Kyler is Kyler is attacking his rehab, and it's been great to see him in the building and, and in the facility. Um, you know, I think the the first the priority with with any player, and specifically Kyler, is, is getting him healthy and getting him on the field when he's ready to go and when he can do the things that he can do. And certainly, we have to have a plan in place for if he's not ready to go. So, uh, and we'll be ready for that, and we'll we'll 
look at every avenue that we can to, to have our team ready so we can be competitive, and we will be ready for when Kyler's ready to go. They're not ready, and they're not built to be competitive right now. No. So that that's the problem. We, we, we understand that Kyler Murray's working hard to get back, but this is a team that has interior line issues. This is a team that gave up a ton of points last year, mm-hmm. and three of their top four defensive players are no longer here. Off of that group, that wasn't great to begin with. Well, and I know we're still a ways away from the draft, more than a month away from the draft, but uh, I, and some of those areas will be addressed, but you lost your top corner in free agency. There's, I mean, how do you bounce back from that now? You probably don't. You lost one of your top defensive linemen in Zach Allen. You lost another of your top defensive linemen in J.J. Watt to retirement. There's been nothing like plugged in as... As no, that's what I'm saying. No, it's three of their top four defensive yeah. players are gone from a unit that gave up a lot of points to begin with, and now you you don't you don't have a starting center. I don't think they're going to roll back with Billy Price if he's even back next year. I thought a, I thought a veteran center would be worth the money. Kyler Murray's injury, regardless, they weren't. I don't know if how aggressive they were. Listen, they may have pursued these guys and they got outbid or players chose to go other places. So, I, I mean, I can't say that Monty's just sitting back there twiddling his thumbs. It's just funny. The, the two positions is, they, they actually signed, wide receiver and linebacker, the two re- positioned groups that you thought they were decent at. Well, because you don't uh, compare to other positions. no resolution groups. on DeAndre Hopkins yet. He still remains a member of this team, but they go out and they sign, sign Zach Paschal, who's... You know, not a top two or three receiver. He's a guy that's going to help you on special teams. It could play a little bit of the position. Had his better years, I think, in Indianapolis. In Indy, but, yeah. you know, going back to Monty Austin Ford's quote about we'll have to have a plan in place if, if Kyler's not ready to go. Well, we don't know if Kyler's going to be ready to go. I think it's way too early to project that. It's only March. He had the surgery in January. But right now, their plan appears to be David Blau and Colt McCoy. And we know what those two guys look like in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. We don't know what they look like in Drew Petzing's offense. There's so many weird questions about this team right now. I am really shocked they were not more hyper-aggressive in trying to secure a quarterback that could be that stopgap guy and maybe win you some football games. Because the idea... I mean, you want to try to be competitive, and if, if you know, listen, the discussion might be, well, listen, if 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 they weren't if they weren't ready to go out there and spend money on a guy like that, maybe they feel Kyler Murray will be back in Week Five, and you can roll with Colt McCoy for four games, or maybe they felt and looked at Jacoby but, Brissett and Gardner Minshew and Carson Wentz and guys of that quality and said, those guys aren't going to make a big difference. This is our strategy this year, but you hit on something. It's important to be competitive. This is a fan base that has not been treated to too many victories at State Farm Stadium in the last couple of years. They won one game at home last year. The fan base is getting restless. They want results. And this team, I mean, right, it's very early. I get it. But it's it, not it, that early, though, Vinny. I it, mean, it's, I, I, when I, you it, compare it to what other teams have done, I mean, we're, what, yes. two, two plus weeks into free agency now? It's, it doesn't appear that winning is at the top of the priority list right now. So the question begs, when you look at what they're not doing, is it part of a greater plan, factoring in the Murray injuries and trying to rebuild this thing and not, not screw up your cap? Or has the, has the owner put his front office on a budget because of the massive checks that had to be written to Cliff Kingsbury and, and Steve Kime? And Monty Austin Ford is, is working under the parameters that have been set forth 
to him by by his boss. And very possible. We and we don't know that. And 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 but we all all we do know. You talk about rebuilding. Sure, rebuilding through the draft is great, but that's all. You, there are other ways to rebuild in addition to that, and they seem to be ignoring that in free agency. Well, if they can hit a, f- a few home runs in the draft, color me excited because that hasn't happened in quite some time. And, and right now, they've got the number three overall draft pick. Mel Kuyper's new mock draft came out this morning. He's got the Cardinals with a little bit of a coup moving down to four with this movement now of Carolina moving up to number one, trading down one spot to Indianapolis and picking up picks and still getting the guy you want in Will Anderson. That would be a home run in in, in my estimation. That would be great. And I don't know what you would get in addition to the the pick swap. Obviously, do you pick up an additional third rounder or a fourth rounder? I don't think the Colts are going to give up another uh, a second round pick to move up one spot. It depends. Who else is bidding? It's, it's going to depend. If you can convince the Colts that the you know Raiders or somebody or Washington or somebody is offering you, well, you would have to. Otherwise, the Colts just wouldn't do it because course. they know the Cardinals are going to take Will Anderson. So you have to convince the Colts that somebody else is going to to move so up. So it just depends how well you can convince them because then that depends on the compensation. Yeah, five weeks away from the draft, which uh, starts on April 27th. Again, the Cardinals still have the uh, number three overall pick. We'll have more on the uh, Cardinals offseason and some of the questions that still surround it um, later on in the show. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, a long-standing college basketball record was being threatened but now it's safe, and the guy that was chasing that record is pretty mad about it. We'll get into the details of this story next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Before we get into our uh, discussion that we're going to have here, I got to ask the question to Tim Ring, who's in for Bick today. Alrighty, how's your bracket looking? Can I be honest with you? You could have picked DePaul to go all the way, <laughs> and, and I do you have every a better year. bracket than I did. I I I have vowed never to do a bracket until DePaul's back in the NCAA tournament. Oh, you we're know now what? Going on, we're now I, going on twenty years. I'm with you. Now. I'm doing it too. Go could DePaul. Go Blue Demons. Yeah, you could have stopped at the first half of that sentence. <laughs> I vowed to never do a bracket again. If it, uh, twenty years it's been since DePaul's made the tournament. It'll be twenty years next year, two thousand four. This is the longest P six Power Six conference. Uh, drought. Oof. But you're staying uh, but, staying with them. But by all means, St. John's can hire Rick Pitino, <laughs> and Georgetown can hire Ed Cooley, and Marquette can go out and get Shaka Smart, but apparently we... You don't want Rick Pitino. Can't do a day. I would Xavier love Rick get Pitino. Come on. Sleazeball. Couple of years. Sleazeball, he wins, baby. Listen, he's a winning sleazeball, Jared. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a lot hey, of Rick, hey, Jared. Even if he came to DePaul and lasted like 30 seconds, it'd be totally fine with me if he. That is his move. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, what did he just say? No, he, he moves around to a lot of different teams. Is what yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's what his fifth team. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jared's actually giving him too much credit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> a lot of people paying attention to the NCAA tournament, which resumes on Thursday with the Sweet 16. There's another college basketball tournament or two that people are uh, taking a look at. The College Basketball Invitational, yes, which still exists. There's another new tournament called the College Hoops Postseason 8. Have you ever even heard of this? No, I I thought the CBI was the bottom of the barrel. Now Apparently, not, there, apparently. There, there's another one. There is... Um, some controversy here because there's a guy by the name of Antoine Davis. He's come up on the show before and it came up and uh, he plays for Detroit Mercy. He was pursuing the all-time NCAA career scoring record that is still held by Pistol Pete Maravich of LSU set back from 1967 to 1970. Maravich scored amazingly 3,667 points in 83 college games. He averaged like 44 points a game. 44 a game uh, in, in, college. Three, in three years without a three-point line. Yes. Antoine Davis has 3,664 career points. Three short of the record. He's played five full seasons. He's played 61 more games than Pete Maravich. There was some hope. And the way the CBI tournament works, Tim, uh, for people that don't know, is they'll send you an invite. The school has to consider the invite. And then if they accept it, they have to pay a $27,500 entry fee to get into this tournament. Detroit Mercy is by no means worthy of a postseason bid of any type. They're 14 and 19 this year. He needs four points to break the record. Davis did a phone interview with the AP yesterday. And he said, because it looks like Detroit Mercy's not going to get any invitations to any of these also-ran tournaments. Quote, I'm upset about it. I feel like I got cheated out of something that they can't ever give back to me. I think it's selfish and weird that people emailed or called the CBI to say we shouldn't be in the tournament because they didn't want me to break the record. But there's nothing to hold my head down about. I feel like I'm the best scorer in my generation, especially finishing number two behind him. The first part of that, I got cheated out of something. I think they're selfish. (laughs) (laughs) Records are made to be broken. I get that. And if Antoine Davis, despite playing 61 more games than Maravich and two more full college basketball seasons... Hey, listen, if, 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 he, if he would have broken the record organically or if they would have made the NIT or even if they had a record that qualified them for the CBI and Detroit wanted to pony up the $27,500, then so be it. One of the most hallowed, hallowed records and one of the really one of, one of the best college players of all time. If Maravich's record fell in that regard, then that's life, baby. But the only reason the CBI would have extended them an invitation is to shine a spotlight on their tournament. Yes. Because Antoine Which is Davis, already a money-making endeavor anyway if they're charging schools almost thirty grand to get in, which is ridiculous. Now, Pete Maravich's son, uh, Jason. Jason Maravich was extremely... What's his nickname? Pistol Pete and <laughs> Juggernaut Jason? Y'all, yes. Y'all, I, I didn't mean to step on you there, Tim. No, that's all right. I was trying to think of a funny nickname for him. But anyway... Rick, uh, so 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 Jason Maravich uh, didn't have any problem with Davis, but he was not happy about his father's record potentially being broken in a pay-for-play tournament that solely extended the invite for Davis to break the record. Davis's father, by the way, is Mike Davis, the head coach of Detroit. Uh-huh. So there was a father-son here, and I, I I wonder if Mike Davis was conflicted at all 
in doing this? Because now you're talking about not just a player, you're talking about your son having a chance to to break the record. But the CBI is like, hey, well, listen, the decision to not invite them was not based purely on whether or not we wanted him to break the record or not. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Because if you, if you extended them an invite, it was only because you wanted that young man to break Maravich's record. Rick in Giles your tournament. heads up the group that runs the CBI, and he said, uh, his quote was, we did receive unsolicited emails and voicemails about Detroit Mercy, and some said, we don't ever want Pete Maravich's record broken. That decision we made wasn't based purely on whether we wanted him to break the record or not. They're not deserving of the title. And for the other people, the other extreme people on, on that side, we don't want, we never want Pete Maravich's record to be broken. If it's broken fairly and squarely, live with it. That's what I just said. I don't right? think anybody's ever going to get close again. The fact that Antoine Davis did this and he played five full years and there was a COVID year mixed in there, so the extra year of eligibility, he's a prolific scorer. There's no doubt about it. He came in as a freshman and he was one of the top scorers in in the nation. But the per-game averages are nowhere close. The impact on the game is nowhere close. We're not going to be seeing Antoine Davis play in the NBA. His his legacy basically ends here. Here's how ridiculous that record is by Maravich. Think about it. First of all, anybody who's that prolific of a store, a scorer in today's college basketball isn't going to be around for, for three or four years. Davis, thanks to COVID, was able to play five as a prolific scorer. Uh-huh. And he couldn't get there. So I don't know if that record's ever going to be broken. Certainly, Do people no- even know that that was the record, though? Like, that's not like... One of the known records in, in oh, sports. Oh, college all, basketball, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's not all-time as hallowed as like, yeah. the all-time home run record or the all-time rushing leader. But no, in, in, in within college I mean, basketball. I it's certainly not a number that you could recite off the no, top of your head. People knew Pete Maravich is the all-time leading scorer but, in I mean, basketball. The, in any sport, though, the game changes so much from era to era. Like in those days, like freshmen didn't play. No. Uh, which, which makes the, it the even travel more, schedule, uh, schedules were way different. Makes it even more impressive. Yeah. And he's got and, and no three point line and defenses that were designed strictly to stop him. Well, I let's mean, say he played thirty more games as a freshman if he was eligible, Maravich, and averaged forty. Well, <laughs> let's say he averaged thirty. That's another nine hundred points on top of it. You're not catching it. I have no problem with Maravich's record being broken if somebody's able to do it. Me too. But but but, but Maravich, and again, he's a little bit before my time, Vinny. Your time as well. But there's no question you're talking about one of the mythical, you know, figures in the history of the sport of college basketball. I'm not sure Maravich had the NBA career that many many expected him no, to. No, I agree with that. I mean, I, I, I he I, played on some bad teams. And I think he, I think he had a few All Star games. I yeah. mean, he wasn't a total bust. But you're talking about Pete freaking Maravich at LSU. Yeah. I mean, they've done movies about him. So for that record to be broken in kind of a cheap manner as Davis would have done it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's why people were writing into the CBI. It was just, like when that, just Strahan, that just didn't seem right. Oh, when, when Strahan when, broke the sack record. When Favre took a dive. Yeah. yeah. And Brett Favre got a payoff from Barry like Bonds broke the home run record. Like these these records that are broken that people have to attach different asterisks. This would have been the same kind of thing. Yeah, I just had a big issue with the I feel like I got cheated out of something that they can't ever give back to me. Seriously? You had 144 games, dude. Congratulations on a great career. You got cheated out of absolutely nothing. You lost 19 oh, games. You know what you should do? You should enter the transfer portal and join one of the teams that are still in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Can they do that? Hey. Can you join Alabama? College basketball is the wild, wild west. Yeah. It might be still possible. <laughs>
<laughs> that would be funny. Coming up next, the uh, Phoenix Suns. We've already hit on the panic button issue, but there's another issue going on with this team that we're going to pick Tim Ring's brain about, too. The officiating issue. Bix let his feelings known. I have, too. We'll get Ringer's thoughts next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports I'm leader. I'm ready.